On today's show, someone who's got a real story to tell but needs reminding sometimes of what he's achieved. Hello and welcome to Destination Tokyo, the daily podcast that talks to athletes, para-athletes and coaches and those involved in the Olympics and Paralympics who are all hoping to go to Tokyo later this summer. Now this week already I've spoken to a couple of Olympians in marathon runner Kev Seward and relay and 400 meter specialist Martin Rooney. Today it's the turn of a Paralympian. This man is 25, he's a para-triathlete, he competes in PTS5, he's four times national champion, he was seventh in Rio at the Paralympics in 2016, and it is George Peasgood. Hi, yeah. Right, George, I know people are going to enjoy this podcast and your story, but you were telling me just before we started recording that although you do give motivational speeches, you doubt your own inspirational story sometimes. I always find that especially myself like I'm really good at giving advice sometimes but I'm not good at giving myself advice and similar with kind of quite marks motivational stories it doesn't have to be a motivational story as such but I'm really I find it really powerful listening to other people and kind of their experiences and sometimes it I forget the experiences and things that I've done um and people in the past have said like how how many incredible things I've done, seen, been, and gone through. And I find that sometimes even just speaking about it, like just yeah, relights a bit of a fire in yourself about what you've done, where you've come from, and it can actually have a bit more of an impact on other people. Because um, I don't see myself as motivational. I don't see what I do as motivational. I just do what I love, and I love what I do. But yeah, listen to other people, right? It, it really just gets me going and I've been told that sometimes it has a similar effect when I do it and if I can help someone else kind of in the day-to-day or sporting career or whatever then it's, it's a bit of a bonus. So it's really like revisiting your story and reminding yourself of what you have achieved. Yeah. Can you tell us about the accident you had as a young toddler and where that left you? Yeah, so I was two and a half years old. It was in 1998. Um, I had an accident with a ride-on lawnmower, which basically my left ankle went underneath a ride-on lawnmower. Um, miraculously, the the uncle surgeon that day saved my leg because um, he'd kind of seen something similar in the past. Um, I had multiple surgeries to kind of freshen up the wound um, and had a skin and muscle graft from then. And kind of from then, it, things were fairly normal. I just had a, kind of a lot of scarring and a and a skin graft. But um, then, kind of, there was notice as I was growing up. Kind of, we're talking like eight, nine years later here that the growth plates had been infected in my foot and leg, um, and my left leg was growing a lot slower than my right leg. Um, so they took the opportunity in two thousand and nine took a nine month long operation, basically an external fixator, like Meccano set on the outside of my leg with pins going through my leg, some going through and out the other side, some holding the bone purely in place. Um, Break your tibia and fibula and sever your Achilles and you literally like lengthen your leg, you stretch struts that are holding plates together. And I grew my leg I grew my leg. My leg was lengthened. Um, I think it was a total of about 42 mil over the space of nine months. Um, but yeah, like now I still have my left foot is a size eight. My right foot's a size 12. Um, but my left leg, they did too good of a job because it's now two centimeters too long. And 
yeah, I'm now stuck with a slightly longer leg. <laughs> you see, this is why you do inspirational speaking, isn't it? Because <laughs> like, you know, having gone through that trauma and having, you know, gone through such a lengthy process there, you know, later in life to be on the verge of getting to your second Paralympics is what inspiration is about. Don't you think? Uh, I'm sure if someone else told the story and it, like, I, I was listening to them, then I probably might find it inspirational. But you would but, find it inspirational. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, there was there there were tough times in that, like, especially in that nine month long operation. And I know, like, I, I would have been thirteen, so young teenager. I was probably an absolute. Well, no, I was an absolute nightmare to my parents and brother. And it's something that I'm forever grateful that they put up with me in that time for because I was on a lot of painkillers and and everything and it was probably quite a lot for probably a 13 year old to go through um but i got out of it alive and i live to tell the tale (laughs) yeah and i would imagine you know you've said it there you know you've got a very sporty family and i'm sure that they would just push you and push you you know in in a gentle sort of way you know but i guess they they they've been the reason why you are where you're at yeah 100 percent. and like even though during that nine months i was in a in a wheelchair on crutches I was still like speed about in the wheelchair like play wheelchair basketball if it was possible and before and after like I was I was playing rugby within months again and just doing what I can do and like because the family has always been so sporty it's just something I've grown up with and done and enjoyed as well so it's, it's nothing that's ever been pressured or forced into it's just something that I found as to be a, a way to socialize as well and kind of meet friends and meet up with friends as well look we're going to keep in touch over the months so we'll learn more about you and and your journey over this crazy sort of 18 month period but one thing that struck me when you're describing yourself then really was your one leg did you say two inches bigger than the other and a size eight foot and a size 12 foot what difficulties does that pose in the three disciplines of triathlon yeah so yeah it's my left leg's about 20 mil uh longer than my right so in in the swim i also have kind of a, a semi-fixed ankle so i've only got 20 degree ankle movement um so it acts as a bit of a, a paddle a, a drag in the swim i can't like i can kick with my left leg but it doesn't really do much it's fairly useless um on the bike it's less impactful but i don't really have the left leg strength or it doesn't match the right and then on the run, that's where kind of my discipline shows itself a bit more. And that's especially in the category I'm in with mostly blow elbow impaired athletes. Um, it's it's my weakest discipline, but it's something that I've really been focusing on. And I've taken a lot of time over the last 18 months, especially like last year, I've pushed on my run leaps and bounds purely because the Games was delayed a year and it was, it was an opportunity and took it and I've got so much quicker from that one chance but it's usually within my sport that I'll be ahead of most others from swim and bike and they'll catch up as much as possible um, over the run discipline. So what have you been working on then to improve your run and to improve the time? Um, We kind of took it back to basics. Me and my coach like as soon as the first lockdown was announced last year it was like I'm not gonna be able to run on an athletics track. I, I went back home we're like right let's 
take it back to basics, run to efforts, run hill sessions, get strength, get get some speed in, and as well just the consistency of some good run volume without having to worry about travel to races, travel to training. Kind of all my energy and time was more focused around the run. So I obviously couldn't really swim, so had more time to recover from sessions dialed back the bike intensity and duration and just kind of had more time available to either prep for a run session do a run session or recover from a run session um, and that kind of opened a whole new world to me of what I can actually achieve and where are you now then in the qualification process to Tokyo um so with triathlon there's a year-long window um we were six months into a qualification window I think thereabouts and so yeah, I didn't have the best of races at the end of 2019, was it? Blimey, yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> um, so I still need to rack up a couple of yeah good race results to kind of solidify my name in there. But it, it should be fairly simple once racing starts again and really looking forward to that time when it comes around. You've got to find a race first though. Yeah, that's the first, that's the first challenge, but like... The, the way the ITU and triathlon have held, have held races last year, um, they've shown that they can do it in a safe and secure manner. So there's no doubt that they are capable of doing it, especially with everything that's going on. It's really positive to see how well invested the sport governing bodies are and getting athletes out there to race and do what they love. Brilliant. Oh, it's great to chat, George, and hopefully we can catch up with you in March. Yes, definitely. That's George Peasgood from GB's Para Triathlon Squad and looking forward to following George's journey all the way through to Tokyo, fingers crossed. Well, that's it for today's Destination Tokyo. Just a reminder that I'm raising money using these podcasts for Maggie's Cancer Centres who offer emotional and practical support for those going through cancer treatment and after cancer treatment. They've been great to me and my family and so this is giving some money back to them. If you can spare a couple of pounds as a tip, the price of a cup of coffee, then I'd appreciate it if you go to justgiving.co.uk, search Destination Tokyo, and you'll find you can put £1, £2, £3, whatever in there, and that will be much appreciated. So until tomorrow, thanks again for listening, and see you soon. Bye-bye.